All right, guys, special episode tonight. Uh, HW, we're going to call this, I guess, uh, a roundtable type thing where we have uh, a bunch of Flyers podcasters on one show. We're just going to take it and see where it goes. No planned structure whatsoever. Yeah, so we'll see if this turns out to be chaos or if it turns out to be something fun. I think maybe a little bit of both. Before we actually get to topics, why don't we go around and introduce each podcaster? And let's start with Kelly from Broad Street Hockey. Hi, I'm Kelly from Broad Street Hockey and Broad Street <laughs> Hockey Radio. That's me. Um, yeah, so we're going to tell a little story about how we got into hockey. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, let's do it. Why not? All right. So I got into hockey when I was like 11 or 12, and I was at a family birthday party, and my older cousin Joseph, who I thought was really cool, put the flyers on the television in like the kids' room, and I started watching it, and then Eric Lindros appeared, and even 11 or 12-year-old Kelly knew what a hot guy looked like, so I got super (laughs) into it um, as a kid, and then I just like started watching it and just immediately loved it. And, like, I don't come from a hockey family or anything, so it was kind of just me out on my own little island watching the Flyers. So that's my origin story. It's really interesting. So you're saying that Eric Lindros captivated you. And that's the reason why you began to like the Flyers. Okay. Very interesting. So next up on our list here is my co-host, Jack Smith. Jack, what's going on, dude? Jack, high and wide radio. See, when did I get into hockey? I think it was about three years old. I was at my first game. It was actually before Lindros was on the team. So I don't know if I would like the team like I do because I was my dad already had me going to games and probably would have regardless. Um, yeah, I've been watching ever since. Um, he had me on skates even when I was like two or three years old too. So I was playing from a very young age as well. Um, as far as getting into podcasting, I just I think I actually – got into regular podcasting we would do podcasts with our fantasy football leagues and we're like you know why don't we get more of an audience here instead of you know 10 other guys uh and then we we loved hockey so we just kind of jumped in it to it from there and uh yes here we are is dan there dan i wish i could see your face i'm just uh lingering in the background yeah <laughs> you can't see him i can see him <laughs> you can there. yeah oh i see his brotherly pod on there speaking of brotherly uh-huh. pod it's a Never heard of it because the shirt says otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit, a little bit about Dan the Flyer fan. Hi, I'm Dan the Flyer fan, and I have a Flyers addiction. Uh, Hi, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what this feels like? It, it does. Yeah. <laughs> a safe space. <laughs> It's okay, because originally I thought you were going to have us introduce each other. It's like, no, Jim, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm a. Uh... You know, the, the founder of Brotherly Puck, and Jim and I do a show called The Angry Negative Show. Uh, he plays the role of angry, I play the role of negative. And, uh, yeah, as, as far as Flyers fans go, I was uh, born into this hell. My parents were huge Flyers fans. Mm-hmm. And as a mid-90s baby, I was technically around for the Legion of Doom era, but don't really remember any of it. But all, I, there was Legion of Doom shit all around the house growing up. And, uh, you know, early on, it was... Uh, uh, you know, uh, probably in the mid 2000s, I really started understanding what I was watching and, you know, old enough to appreciate it. And players like Keith Primo and Eric Desjardin and, and Robert Ash are probably my big three as a kid. And then Peter Forsberg came along there for those couple of years and uh, thoroughly enjoyed watching him and uh, been doing this ever since. Man, you had, uh, we had, we've been spoiled through the years, huh? Some of those names. Uh, spoil's not the right word. <laughs> 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 with Good certain point. players maybe but uh yeah with players and so let's get to our last person here from the pot street bullies derek bob derek how's it going man it's going man uh as you said co-host of the pot street bullies with my buddy john gove uh managing editor at philly sports network as well uh got into podcasting honestly i think it was either shortly before or shortly after i came on the high and wide show with you guys uh and then I was on O&B once, uh, and I just kind of got the itch, and I'm like, this would be pretty fun. So John and I started up a little over a year ago, and it's been it's been great so far. We've been having a great time with it. Uh, as far as the Flyers go, I you know like uh, much 
much like many of you, you know, young got into it. My uh, grandfather actually used to have season tickets, and every year he'd sit me down at the calendar for my birthday and say, which game do you guys want to go to? So I'd pick a game, and my mom actually is the big driving force behind it. She's uh, an absolute nut when it comes to hockey, so that's where I get it from. And uh, ever since then, yeah, I grew up, I fell in love with it, watching guys like Eric Desjardins. It's probably my favorite flyer of all time. Uh, watching him, John LeClaire, uh, much like you guys, you know, it's those guys really kind of attracted me to hockey and I've been a nut every, ever since. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, I love that you all mentioned, you know, like the Legion of Doom, LeClaire, Lindros, like those are the guys I think we all remember like watching growing up, right? Yep. And uh, cried Absolutely. when they got traded like uh, Renberg and Brindamore. Yeah. Good, uh, good topics to talk about there, Brindamore. Uh, so something that I've been kind of asking my guys on, on high and wide, uh, Jack and Kyle, and we discussed a little bit about on, on one of the prospect shows we did was, you know, like you all mentioned, the first player you, you really recall is, is Eric Lindros and then John LeClaire. Do you guys think that you would be as big a flyer fans as you are now if Eric Lindros did not play for the flyers? And we could start with Kelly first. Um, probably not. Just because he was so, like, fun to watch and so dominating that it was that that sucked me in as someone who didn't really know anything about the game. So without that presence on the team, I'm not sure I would have been sucked in so deeply. Because, like I said, I didn't have anyone in my immediate family that was like, here, we're going to sit down and watch a hockey game. So it was like, I had to be drawn in by something. And I was drawn in by his dominance on the ice. And so I'm not sure if I would be such a fan if not for that so because he really kind of pulled you in right and once you once you started watching like he like i keep using the word captivated because that's how it felt for me but it was like oh man lindros playing tonight lindros lindros uh all right so yeah i think i'm leaning towards what you said there kelly jack your thoughts i think for most fans uh that's probably true Uh, i don't think my dad would have given me a choice i'm sure maybe (laughs) later in life i could have drifted apart maybe they wouldn't have been as good but they probably would have had peter forsberg instead and you know maybe that would, <laughs> could have been a whole different ride me personally i i think i i would have i think i wouldn't have had a choice so uh, yeah, i'm kind of not the best person to ask all right dan i'll need to uh ask my parents next time i see them how much their fandom lived and died by the flyers maybe if they weren't uh if if maybe if they weren't around if uh, lindros wasn't around maybe they wouldn't have been the uh Super oh fans God, they were right, as a kid. Dude. So I I forgot about that. Who who did you who do you remember first when you think about who you you know when you watch the Flyers who who's the first name that comes to mind? As a kid? Yeah, as a kid. Keith Primo. Okay. So that's yeah, like see, right that, around the end. A lot a lot of this is age dependent. Like if yeah. you were only two or three in 1997, yeah. like you're not gonna remember shit about Eric Lindros, which is you know fine because <laughs> you were a small child. And yeah. not a lot of people go back and watch tape, so. Exactly. And, like, with me, when I was young, my dad talked about Bernie Perrant, much like some other people's parents talk about Eric Lindros. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. So you, you kind of have a different perspective there a little bit, Dan. I mean, I mean, you turned out to be a pretty big fan, I would say, even without Lindros, which is pretty interesting to me, uh, considering some of the teams that we've had the last couple of years. Derek, your thoughts there. So, you know, obviously the name Eric Lindros is synonymous with the Flyers. So that's usually the first name for a lot of people our age that, you know, we associate with it. I was on the LeClaire train. I love John LeClaire. Uh, I kind of got my love for John LeClaire through my mom because she loved him as well. And it was one of those things where it's there's kind of an association there, like the Legion of Doom. You know, you automatically associate LeClaire, Lindros some people forget Renberg, but we all know he was part of that line. So I wouldn't necessarily say that my fandom kind of hinges on Lindros and his tenure with the Flyers, but it definitely helped. But, you know, much like you guys, as you get older, you kind of develop more of a love for the game than just the team itself. Because, you know, much most of us, all of us, I should say, cover the team in some capacity. So, you know, you got to kind of have a love for the game before the team itself, you got to be objective, you know, sometimes. Um, but yeah, you know, that's kind of my take on how I grew up and became a Flyers fan. 
<laughs> Jim and I have kind of talked about that before, where it's like we don't necessarily have favorite players anymore as much as we do the team. Like when I was a kid, I remember loving Robert Esch and Keith Primo and Desjardins and, and players like that. But I don't feel like I've had that love for anybody in 15 years since they were here. It's mm. difficult. You know, when you're a kid, you just become infatuated. And the first name you see, that's this flashy name. Like when I was younger, I, you guys might laugh. I fell in love with JR, Jeremy Roenick. Like that was my first jersey as a kid, you know, <laughs> and it was one of those like cheap Kmart jerseys. But I was like, I don't care. It's a jersey nonetheless. But yeah, you know, you just kind of grow older and you kind of just appreciate the game more so than the team or the players itself. I, I could sit here. I love Claude Giroux. I love, you know, Voracek, all those guys. But at the same rate, it's like I'm not going to sit here and place one of those guys above the rest of the team. Yeah, you don't really get that emotional connection to a player once you hit a certain age. I feel like like there are a lot of... um. A lot of people in the Flyers Twitter universe that seem like super attached to particular players. And I don't think there's anybody on the team at this point that I would say I wouldn't trade if it were going to make the team better. Like maybe Carter Hart just based on potential. But like if you told me that we were going to trade Carter Hart for Connor McDavid, like I'm like, all right, let's do that. Like I'm not emotionally attached to any of these guys enough to care like, none of them are my large adult son. I don't think of any of them as my children. Like, it's like all that weird stuff. Like, yeah, I don't think I've been emotionally attached to a flyer since Mike Richards. And I think that it was Mike Richards just because he was such a, um, I don't know, like such a prototypical hockey player for me. Like, I, was, I wasn't I was that young when Mike Richards was on the team. But just something about him, I think, kind of. And it seems like he grabbed a lot of Flyers fans in that same way. Um, but since him, I haven't really, I haven't really been emotionally connected to any one player. I'm emotionally connected to the success of the team. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you. To even go back, um, I wasn't. Yeah, Lindros was larger than life, obviously. And when you're a kid, you're very impressionable. I was a huge Leclerc, Leclerc fan too, and that, maybe that's because I was watching before I knew who Lindros was. I don't know. Um, he was my first jersey. I wore his number when I played hockey, and I even tried playing like him, which just meant stand in front of the net for the most part. When, but like even when he retired, we had the 05 lockout. I had that like, well, who's my favorite player going to be now? Because I, I must have been, I think it was in high school at the time, and I, I flashed on the Mike Richards originally at first, and but as time went on, and all I really started to care about was winning, and <laughs> that's when I started. Before I would just I would get upset when they lost, like a sad way. Uh, I don't get sad anymore. I get very, very angry. And that's, I don't know what age that happened at. And it's very hard to be emotionally attached to a one particular player when any one particular player can have a bad game and set me on a rampage. So, yes, I just collectively like everybody. I like the idea of building a team and building prospects, seeing them get drafted, make their way to the, you know, much like Carter Hart and Provorov to the NHL, do their thing. So it's weird as, as you develop and change as a fan. Uh, I do miss that magic of being a kid where they were yes. if I ever met them it, yes. as a child I would break down you know, you know yeah. but now I you know I've met players and it's oh hey thanks a lot and I just keep moving and so I'm not moved or anything you know so there's a big difference I went to a Flyers Wives Carnival the first time I was like, this little kid I could never imagine I thought you had to be like you know the one percenters to get into this place <laughs> a little bit I know so. yeah I, I used uh, to go to that thing too when I was like in high school and then, like, you just hit a certain age, and you're like, I'm not going to stand in line to, like, get a dude's autograph 22 years old. I'm all set. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. I used to use my cousin, my little cousins as excuses. So I'm like, I'm there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, met, I met Couturier in a restaurant, and I kind of froze up because I didn't expect to <laughs> see him. Did you like, bother him when he was eating? No, like, uh, he was getting up from the table that they were sitting us at. And oh, hilarious. Like, usually I just, I don't really look at people. I just, I'm in outer space most times. And, like, I happened to glance over, and, and the uh, the waiter, whoever was walking to my, to my seat, was like, yeah, that's right. You know who that is, don't you? And I'm like, what? <laughs> Dude, he said it real creepy, too. Like, I'm like, what? And, like, I looked over, and I'm like, holy shit, that's Sean Couturier. And, like, I wanted to say hi, but I'm like, uh. Just sit down. And that's what I did. I choked. <laughs> yeah, but, I choked. Too. <laughs> so I uh, didn't... Lavalette walked into my old work. I used to work in one of those Philly pretzel factories. This was 
while they were playing Montreal when the year they went to the Cup, and he had sunglasses on, so he looked like a regular because I recognized him. He took his sunglasses off, said, holy shit, it's Peter Laviolette. He started asking me questions about pretzels. I didn't even know what he said. <laughs> I went, yeah, and I turned around. I had to ask him again what his order was because I didn't listen the first time. And <laughs> it was terrible. Did he start getting crazy? Start like he talked on very fast. He was talking very fast. He had his little accent. Yeah. <laughs> he punched you in the head because you didn't get his order. I wish he would have. Then I wouldn't have to take his order. <laughs> you got to put some jam in your step, boy. I don't know. He doesn't talk like he's from the south. I don't know why I did it like that. What are the cinnamon pretzels? Nobody ever wants that. Like, come on. What are any ends for that? <laughs> doesn't look like a cinnamon pretzel kind of guy. Just butter and, butter and pretzel. Well, he was for his kids. He was for his kids. He did say that. I didn't cut it in half. I remember that. Mm. Maybe one of those, huh? Mm. Seems like a spicy mustard kind of guy. Mm. <laughs> I'll just eat it right. I don't even cook it. I just want, I just want the dough. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, next topic here. We kind of touched on two things. Kelly, you mentioned how Twitter is just all over certain players. And <laughs> before I... Before I forget about that, why don't we talk about that a little bit? Like, which players kind of come to mind when you think about which which players uh, Twitter kind of drools all over? They're obsessed with Nolan Patrick. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Inexplicably. Yes. Um, I know Dan's got an army of Sam Moran fans. Also, inexplicably. <laughs> um. There seems to be like a, a weird pocket of Robert Haig defenders that pop out of nowhere from time to time. I don't know that's, where they that's come me. from. Oh, it's oh, so these are all <laughs> your people. I see what's happening here. The, the Bobby um, Haig hive. And then, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think everyone's obsessed with Carter Hart. That one seems logical to me. The other ones I don't get. Uh, I, I would add connect me to that list, too. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. yeah. And but actually, Kevin Hayes at this point, people are pretty... Oh, yeah, myself included. I can't even believe I didn't say that. We're awful late, but yeah. It's funny we brought up Robert Hag. I always feel like the anti, the, not anti, the Robert Hag and the ghost people tend to go at it, it seems like. Mm. If something negative is said by ghosts, somebody says something negative about Hag and vice versa. I just, they tend to wind up in the same threads. That's all I'm saying. You're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The Hag thing is super weird. It's like just because I don't like it's interesting to me the level of passion that seems to surround like a number seven defenseman. Like, what are we fighting about? Like, why are you so worked up about Robert Haig? He's not anyone special. Like, if he's on the team or off the team, it's kind of like completely inconsequential. And yet, if you say a single, even remotely negative thing about him, you're getting lit the fuck up by Derek's pals that he sicks on you. You don't like Robert Egg. <laughs> it is over. by no means something that I tell them to do. Oh, I know. So but well. no, it's it's more <laughs> so like an appreciation just for like him. Because I know he's not this amazing defender. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, we need to keep Robert Haig at all costs. Like, everybody knows he could be easily replaced. It's the fact that like, I think he gets too much shit. You're overcorrecting. Yeah, he gets too much shit. And I'm just like, listen, man, he's not that bad. I was the same way with Brandon Manning. Like, I thought Brandon Manning, for the amount of crap that he got, but you look at, like, he's making barely over a million dollars for a six, seven defenseman. Like, you know, there's much more that you could direct your attention towards and bitch about other than our sixth or seventh defenseman that's just there. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, we've reached a point at which we don't have that much else to complain about which is like awesome. There's really not that much that I have to complain about on this roster right now. And so I think that first of all, we're Flyers fans. So we need something to complain about. So Robert Hay gets to be the guy. Um, And also I, I do think that I do think that there's an argument to be made that he's not the best choice for the sixth defenseman. And it's just like, you know, if you're going to, if you're bored on a Tuesday and you want to fight about something on Twitter about the Flyers, like let's have a a ghost Hague conversation or even like a Friedman Hague conversation. Like, I don't know. There's like so many other dudes, like just a guy hockey players that you could plug in to the sixth role. And it's like, a, I don't know. I just, I just find it interesting that there's like so much. And also since Dan's here, cause I'm also super curious about this. 
why so much Sam Moran love given that admittedly mostly through no fault of his own he's never really done anything in the NHL like what is it that you like so much shots fired I'm just oh I'm genuinely curious (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious uh I'm a sucker for tall men first and foremost uh (laughs) and uh (laughs) and you know I, I think it goes along the same way as the uh Hague uh, argument does that people hate him too much, so I'm here to overcorrect. Okay. You know, they, they can write him off, even though he's never got much of a chance. And sure, the injuries have piled up over the past couple of years, but it doesn't mean that he wasn't going to be something or may not still be something. Somebody's got to have his back, right? All right. That's fair. I never liked him. When they wow. drafted him, I was pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> From the jump. Just, I, you know, it's At not his fault. Honest. It's not his fault. <laughs> I should calm down because it's not his fault that they took him that high. He didn't ask to be drafted way, 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 way too early. They were living off that pronger envy, you know. They lost him too soon. We always got to find the next somebody. Mm -hmm. So why not a big kid who is a defenseman? (laughs) Surely that's why Chris Pronger was good. It's just because he was big. Just because he was tall. Yeah, that's all he had. Automatically translates to skill. We we all know that. You can't teach size. Yes, it's, it's true. true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody I wanted to get to before I get to the other guy I wanted to get to since he was brought up was Shane Gossespierre because I was assuming that I was going to oh. hear. <laughs> I thought I was going to hear his name come up because it's like no matter what he does wrong, there are people out there who want to defend them and I, I guess i i can appreciate the loyalty but at the same time it's like well but like what's it going to take for you to just say that he's not that great anymore i you know? uh i don't know if you've heard but he had a 65 point season two years ago <laughs> whoa did you ever like him changer. did you ever like him or did you did he fall out of favor oh i absolutely started? liked him when he first okay. came on okay. he was came out and that had that 17 goal rookie season and he was their hidden gem and you know the first kind of prospect to make it oh i was behind him entirely but i mean because there are there are uh, people there are quite a lot of flyers fans i feel like that just don't like that kind of defenseman like they have no interest in an offensive defenseman like they just don't want to hear about it they want like a, a big like doofus andrew mcdonald just like backing up all the way because that's how you play defense like there are just people that don't like Shane Gosses Bear because they don't like that style of player. Like I feel like those people would complain if we had Eric Carlson because he's like would. too if you focused can't pull on off and goals. execute like a perfect starfish maneuver. I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> Quite frankly, you know, it's the quintessential talk- defensive move. <laughs> yeah, that's how I used to play um, NHL shell as the kids call it. And that's the only thing I knew how to do. I was really bad at it. So I would always play defense and I would just starfish in front of the goaltender. <laughs> Didn't work in the video game either. <laughs> Here to tell you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have another guest, Steve Appleman from the Brotherly Pod. Dan's uh, co-host has just joined us. Steve, how's it going, man? Hey, guys. How you doing? Sorry I'm late. No, nah, you're right on time, actually. There is no such thing as late tonight. Um, time doesn't exist. <laughs> So the, the current conversation is we're talking about some Twitter favorites, but before we jump back in, why don't you tell everyone listening a little bit about yourself? How did you become a Flyers fan, and how did you get into podcasting? Um, I've been a Flyers fan. I'm about 30 years old, so I've been, I grew up in the big heyday of Lindros LeClaire, the big awesome 90s, um, and that kind of got me hooked. Watching Lindros got me hooked. Watching LeClaire was my favorite player growing up. So I got hooked on John LeClaire and that whole run, um, 2003, broke my heart, everything like that. Um, and I've been hooked ever since and followed it. Uh, really uh, became like diehard, diehard in 2010. That's when I was like, you know, teenage, uh, teenage boy running around, freaking out, you know. Uh, Hartnell scored that goal in game six. I was freaking out, yelling at my parents who were asleep upstairs, everything like that. Um, so I've been a diehard Flyers fan ever since kind of the 90s and have just kind of followed through. Um, got started. I got lucky. 
uh, Dan over there was uh, kind of looking for random people to just have a conversation with on his podcast, and I kind of just threw my name out there. I'm like, do you have to have a Flyers resume? <laughs> um, so I threw my name out there, and, you know, we kind of talked, and I just had stuff to run on about the Flyers, and he liked me enough to kind of let me uh, join him on some conversations, and then I, uh, he let me also write for his site, so I write for his site as well. Hell yeah. Well, you guys do great work over there. I love listening to you guys' show. Uh, glad you were able to hang out tonight. And so let's get back to our conversation here. We were just talking about Shane Gossespierre, right? How, you know, what were we talking about? How some people defend him, some people just might not like him because of the type of defenseman he is. Uh, where were we with that conversation? Right about there. Right, yep. <laughs> Pretty much. I was saying, I was, we, I tried to bring this up on our show this week, but I didn't really get around to it because we were talking about like what the flowers would look like once we start up again, given that there's been so much time since they last played. And so I'm kind of wondering, like, do you put Shane Goss's bear on this roster to start whatever this new season is? Like, do you let him get in some of the exhibition games and see what he looks like? Do you forget it altogether because the team is playing so well without him? Like, I'm kind of curious to see what they do with him because, like, I mean, honestly, he could be good again. Like, he did it once. He could do it again, theoretically. And if he did, that would be great for the Flyers in the playoffs. But I just don't know how long of a leash he would have at this stage of the game or if they would even bother trying. I think it's a tough call. I mean, yeah. you've got a guy who is really offensively gifted. And like you said, you know, as much as it has happened what two years ago, you know, with the 65 point season, I'm not sure if that's going to happen again, you know, that, but at the, the same. Yeah, no way. It's definitely not yeah. going to happen. Again. But it's also tough because of his defensive deficiencies, you know, because, you know, the name of the game is defense. It's in the name of your position. You know, you got to be able to play defense and he's just, he's not that good at defense, but so where's the middle ground? Do you want a guy on the blue line that can't defend well, but can put some points up? Or do you want a guy on the blue line that might not put up as many points, but can be a solid defender? You know, it's, it, there's some yeah. give and take there. See, my thing is that if he could get back to playing the point on the power play as well as he did before, that would be huge because I don't think Provorov works there very well. Um, so that, to me, in the playoffs would be a huge, huge advantage for the Flyers if he were playing on power play one and playing well. Um, but like I said, I don't know how long they would be able to give him to get it together in these exhibition games before you like, cut it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I just think it's an interesting good question. point, Kelly. Yeah. The tough call isn't just who to play, but it's you have so many limited games before you jump into a playoff. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, just from a team building perspective, you want to know what you have in Ghost. Is he nothing? Is he somewhat near 65 points? Or is he somewhere in the middle? And you have to decide what to do with this guy. And getting him on the ice is the only way you're going to, one, find out, and two, gain some value on the guy. Because right now, what is he worth? Like, who knows? You know, and then you want to find out in the playoffs. Could it work out? Of course, he could jump on the first power play. Hit the very last game he played against Boston um, was some. It's it's only one game. Was, I saw a little bit of the old ghost. Yeah, I, I actually, and yeah. I'm I. The second he screws up, I'm all over him. I want to give him credit where credit is due. He looked like he was moving. He didn't obviously get any points, but he did look like he was trying. And he looks drew a penalty on a really nice play. Got a shot on that, and it's like if he could bring some more of that. You know, calm down, get the that could be really be a difference maker against some of these other teams that were good. He could put us over, but can you rely on that? And then everything I said about the team building going just into for future seasons as well. Uh, it's going to be really, I, I, they know what they have in Hag, you know, or whoever else they want to bench. So it's like, why not, you know, maybe in these playing games, you're still in, but even, is that even enough? I mean, coming, everybody's coming back cold. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. He's an offensive defenseman that's not very good at defense and also not very good at offense. So what do you do with the guy? Just well, I'm not trading you then. <laughs> you pay him $4 million and you put him on your third defensive pairing. Yeah. Are not? you drinking milk? No, it's oh, water. God, I thought you were drinking like, a gallon of milk, like a savage. I was going to go across the room. No, I would, I would, I would die. Throw my headphones 
I would actually die if I drank a gallon of milk. <laughs> I was going to say, like, yeah, he, he's been pretty rough lately, but how old is he now? 26? 27. 27? You got to get some value for him if you're going to move him. The only way you're going to do that is you got you to gotta play him. So always somebody. There's always a team. There's always a team yeah. that thinks I can change him. You know what I mean? This oh, you just got to find that team. And if they just more opportunity when he plays. And you hope you get him that little, you know, where he plays well. I think it also kind of depends on coaching, too, because when he came up and he had that 65-point game season, he was playing under Dave Haxtall, who had kind of like he liked to just get all the pucks to the point and have everyone just blast it from the point, while AV might be a little like, – AV style is just different. So it kind of depends on, too, what the coaches think of him and how the coaches are going to deploy him because if the coaches want him to play more of a defensive game, then it might not be as good as someone to have like a Robert Haig who's more defensively sound, but he doesn't have the high upside. So it just kind of depends – on what the coaches really want from them and what they expect from them. If they're hoping for defense, I, I, <laughs> I it's that's that's I, for a team building perspective for actually moving through the playoffs. If, and I yeah, that's how Vigneault is for sure. Uh, then I don't think we're going to see a lot of ghosts at all. And then I guess you just roll next season, see if you can opportunist or you just move them in the off season. Whatever the value is perceived, you take what you can get and you move on. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get a lot for him if that's the case. But maybe you just need to move on, and that's it. You're not wrong about Vigneault's system, though. Here's a question yeah. for you guys. Oh, okay, good, because I was going to ask one, and I don't think I want to. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Now I want you to ask it. Is Robert Haig defensively sound, though? I mean, he's better I mean, than more, like, more so than Gostisbehere, I believe. It's more like Ghost yeah. is deaf, where <laughs> Hag can hear. <laughs> I don't know if that sounds. <laughs> it's not an okay. argument as to, like, who's better. It's just more of, like, who's going to not give up more goals, you know? <laughs> who's going to suck the least tonight? Yeah, like, this guy sucks, this guy sucks. Who's going to suck the least? Are we still talking about hockey or what? Hey, this is... That's our other that. show, Jim. I don't know. I just don't. God, I'm getting all like, keep it together. I've um, I've had like kind of these like theoretical conversations with hockey people that are a lot smarter than me about like what makes good defense, and is it just backing yourself up into the zone? and then firing the puck off the glass into the neutral zone to no one in particular. Is that good defense? Or is that just not... I don't know. It's a lot. I don't know. It gets the job done. You would preferably have somebody of the Sanheimer Myers variety who can, you know, get the hell out of the zone himself. But it's not the worst case scenario if you can chip it out, especially if that's your, you know, lone option. It's just like I think about Justin Braun who is a good defensive defenseman and Robert Haig is not the same player as Justin Braun. And I feel like Justin Braun is what people want to believe Robert Haig is or can be, but I don't think that he is, but I, I just don't, I, it's hard to like with offense, there's so much that you can point to that says this is better than this, like on paper with numbers. And it's hard to quantify that kind of stuff with defense. Like, why the way that Justin Braun defends his own zone in a quiet and unflashy way is better than the way that Robert Haig does it that just isn't as good, like, objectively, but how do you tell someone? Like, it's, it's just harder with defensemen to, you know, I can't point to something and see, like, see, Derek, you're wrong. Look at that number. Like, it's not a thing that exists with defensemen, so it's harder to have these kinds of like objective arguments about them. But I will say I that it's an interesting time too. So I don't mean to interrupt. I apologize. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> uh, but now I, I'm glad I interrupted because that Hague sucks at the end. It's just icing on the cake, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's the proof. <laughs> but the, the, the mentorship, I think the, the move behind bringing Braun in, I think kind of, to me at least, centered around the fact that they wanted Braun to kind of mentor Haig and then have Haig kind of develop into the kind of defenseman that Braun is, whether it's working or not, which right now I don't think it is completely like the way that the Provorov and Niskanen pairing is because Mm -hmm. we've seen Provorov turn into a much more sound defenseman where last year obviously it was down here, but his, his giveaways these past three years now have been pretty 
pretty bad, and he's being more fiscally responsible with the puck. And it's nice to see, and he's learning that from Niskanen and being paired with him all season. That same mindset, I think, was brought into the Braun acquisition, and it's not nearly it's not working out nearly as much as I'm sure they wanted it to. And I mean, with both of their contracts being up at the end of the season, if I'm not mistaken, that's like, okay, I feel like you almost have to keep one of them, but Braun's going to be more expensive. Haig's not going to be as expensive. It's like, are the Flyers going to look to cut cost and keep Haig and think, oh, well, Braun taught him what he could, you know, maybe he'll apply it somehow. It's, you know, we're getting into a different topic here with that i know it's, it's i could talk hey. about this all night it's just like it's, it's just a lot because a lot of like doing defense like if you are hitting a lot in your own zone if you're firing the puck out a lot in your own zone like you're doing those defense things in the grand scheme of the entire game means that you have fucked up in some way you know what i mean like you don't have to do the defense if your team has the puck so it's just that it seems to me that people like Robert Haig because he's always making hits and like putting his body in front of the puck and that kind of stuff. But that's because when he's on the ice, his team doesn't have the puck very much. And so what is that about? Like, is that because of him? Like, it's just, I don't know. I think you know, a lot about defensemen. This is like a you thing. Know what it's, called? it's it's that mindset, which I agree with you. It's He's not exactly hitting anybody on the tape as they uh, exit the zone for a counter rush. Um, but it, it's that style of defenseman who makes less mistakes versus your banger bust. And that's where the disconnect is. It's, you know, that's you got, you got, and then with ghosts not really coming through with the bang and more of the bust that that's mm-hmm. where people are starting to jump towards. Like we'll take the defensive, more defensively sound player uh, in the defensive system, which really doesn't benefit ghost. And I think that's where a lot of the disconnect is. Uh, at yeah. the end of the day, I w- I just want the best players on the ice, and if Ghost is yep. one of those players, by all means, Agreed. you know they can take over games. Um, and but Derek brings up a good point as well, and it's more so not for for me, not so much with Braun, but with Ghost and Hag. Hag's going to be cheaper. You have to make, move so much money around soon. Coots is going to really get paid. I mean, four and a half million, I think, or less than that even. I mean, he's what's going to be asking for like thirteen million. My God. Like, he's, he's really going to get paid. Drew's up soon. Carter Hart, other guys are all coming up. You're going to have to allocate your money somehow. And while Ghost is a somewhat favorable contract right now, it's also very movable, and you just get something back still. So I, I think it has a lot to do with that as well. Yeah, I mean, if they, if they don't find a place for him to play if the league comes back this summer, I just don't know how you don't trade him at this point. Like, it's just it's, – it's done. But keeping Haig over one of those other two – older defensemen. I mean, that is an interesting question because with the cap not going up and the Flyers having a bunch of guys that are going to need to get paid in the next two or three years, you're going to have to find money, like you said. Although I do think that we're going to get a little bit of help from the expansion draft, unless we end up losing like Scott Lawton. We might end up using Scott Lawton, which would be bad because I'm hoping it'll be Voracek or Van Van Riemsdyk. Yes. I'm okay with giving Seattle a pick and saying, listen, here's our, you know, because you think about it, we're probably going to have a later pick. Yeah. Take the first round pick, take JVR, you know, JVR, he's not terrible, but if we're looking to unload money, that's the guy. You know, I'd rather keep Voracek than JVR. Just take JVR, he'll put up, you know, 20, 30 goals for you. Have fun in Seattle, pal. Bye. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. Uh, I'm on that train too. Just, I want to keep Lawton. I want to keep most of these other younger guys together, and that makes sense. And you know what? What might actually buy? And we talked about this on our podcast too. If there's a chance that they could just just for next year get Braun back on a one-year deal, simply because, and it's going to depend on a lot what they wind up paying Patrick and Lindblom, because of their unique situations. Yeah. So, like, I think that's going to determine a lot. Maybe you get one more year of the mentoring of Hag with Braun because he's hanging around for one more year and they trade ghosts and suddenly that money's there just to get them by one more year. And then you really have some decisions to make after that. You got to be careful too, because you're also going to have 
you know, some forwards that you might want to keep too. Like Chuck Fletcher just traded for Derek Grant and Nate Thompson. You may want to keep one of them depending on mm. how you see. I mean, like not Nate Thompson, but like Derek Grant could maybe be your four C or maybe your three C depending on, you know, what happens with Nolan Patrick too. We have no idea when he might come back. So, you know, you might have a little bit of money for that too. So, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be tight either way. I feel like there are so many like, first year options in our bottom six that we would have to pay nearly nothing that I don't, I don't see them signing any fourth line players. Like I I would like to keep Pitlick, but I don't know that it's going to happen just because there are so many guys that are going to be competing for those bottom six spots. And most of them will be on ELCs. And if they can get away with having a fourth line of guys all making league minimum might not be a bad idea. One way to save money, and you drafted these guys for a reason. I know it wasn't right. really the Fletcher regi- regime, but they're still assets, and he hasn't really moved any of them either. So, I mean, we, guys like Rubstolf, Ratcliffe, you know, Frost still needs a spot on the team. Like, he's going to be here, you know? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean you, there's, and they're drafting more guys. So, we'll see. I mean, it, I think they're going to go with the, the real youth movement. I like what I've seen from Grant for sure. I, in theory, yeah, it'd be great. I just, with yeah. so many guys on the Phantoms right now and wanting to push up, something's got to give. I've been super yeah. pleasantly surprised by just about every acquisition of Fletcher's made. Oh, yeah. Hey, GM of the year right there. I'm <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Here's a quick question for you guys. Would you rather have Justin Braun for one more season or Shane Gossespierre until 2023. Braun. Braun. Not even close. Yeah, I would Agreed. actually go with Braun, Braun. too. Yeah. Am I allowed to yeah. trade Ghost during that? <laughs> those years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you would have to lose Braun first. I get over it. No, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I really want to get some value for Ghost. That's uh, team building. Going for the cup. It's Braun, but I, I, I just get the strong sense that next year. And I don't have any wood. Well, yeah, I do. Next year could be the year. Like, everything kind of looks like it's coming together. And if it takes moving Ghost for, you know, I don't know what. Like, they're going to get something back for him. I would take Braun for that one year. And then you end up losing both guys after the season. I would do that for a cup. No problem. I would do literally anything for a cup. (laughs) Jim. (laughs) Literally anything. (laughs) All right, no, Jim. That's kind of what I was saying. So I'm, I'm on board with that. It's just it's an interesting question, you know, because there's a lot. And if if someone said, you know, if if anybody has an argument for why they'd want to keep Ghost, like there's no right or wrong answer, you know, everyone has an opinion. But uh, I think I I think Braun's game is more essential to what he brings to the table is more essential for this team right now than what Ghost is bringing, and maybe what Ghost could potentially bring, because like when you think about it. This is like kind of my gripe with Ghost. Like as good as he could potentially be, is he ever going to get that amount of playing time to to be that here again? He just you doesn't know? have the spot in the top four anymore. You know, he's not next to Provorov on the top line every night. You got yeah. four people that are better than him right now. He's your number four, number five guy at best. So yeah. maybe he'll get like a lot of power play one time. And yeah, maybe he'll put up some points there, but... I don't know. Like, you know, Kelly, you mentioned Provorov's not your favorite guy on the power play, but they got by with him this year. And he's he's like, what, 23 years old, 22 years old? Once they put Giroux back on the left side, they got it. Yeah, they did. You're right about that. So, like, my next thing is if if Gossespierre goes somewhere and somehow returns to form and he's putting up 50 plus points a season for, you know, let's <laughs> say to the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> would you guys be upset with that? Or would you kind of be like, eh, he was never going to do that here. You know, it's, it's fine. He wasn't going to do it here. Yeah, it's true. You don't hold on a guy, hold on to a guy simply out of spite. Like, you have to you, you move on. If it's not working. Like look at Shen. Was Shen ever going to be – we never put him next to a Tarasenko because we never had him. Was he going to do that here? Nope. I don't think so. Would you rather have Frost and Farabee or Shen still? Yep. Also, the big – the... Third pair putting up 12 points versus him going somewhere else being Eric Carlson. It, it wasn't going to happen here. Like, it's a the... whole different makeup, everything on another team. Yeah. Some guys need a change of scenery just for yeah. themselves. So, yeah, I can't, I don't live in the, I mean, don't be wrong, I want to get value for the guy. I don't want to give him up for peanuts and have it happen. But same time, why just hold on to him just for the sake of holding on to him so nobody else can have, if I can't have him, neither can you, that's just silly. 
Honestly, the worst thing Ghost did for himself was have a rookie year as good as he did. Yeah. Because it was yeah. obviously an aberration. Like, he's never, ever going to put up that much again. And so, because he's never going to do that again, anything he does is a disappointment. And he's never going to dig out of that here. So, he probably... I mean, I thought, like, middle of last season, before everything went fucking weird, that it would be good to trade him, like, at the draft or something. Because he probably does need a change of scenery. Because I think he's the kind of guy that gets in his head too much, and he's probably just way too up in there to ever get out of it here. So, I don't know. I hate to interrupt. I do have to go. I apologize. Yeah, um, no worries, My wife's going to kill me if I don't get yeah. down there and help with putting the kid to bed. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk more hockey. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. This was a blast. I hope we can do it again soon. For sure, Derek. Well, thanks for hanging out, man. See ya. That was cool. Take, thanks. Take nice care, guys. See ya. Take care. Yeah, like, I think Ghost needs, like, it would really help him if he could just go to, like, a smaller market team where he could fit into, like, uh, where he's not going to have as much scrutiny. Somewhere like in Arizona or, like, you know, in Anaheim where he can be in a top four role. He won't have a ton of scrutiny. It's, you know, not a, you know, big hockey town or whatever like that. And he can just be himself and try and regain that form because there's going to be too much pressure in Philadelphia. Like Kelly and everyone else was saying, he's got so much pressure on him from that rookie season that he's not being able to live up to it. And it's probably getting into his head. And he's probably, you know, he's kind of like Giroux. And if he gets his own head, he starts fighting with himself. And he's probably been fighting himself for how many years now? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it probably just helps him just to get to a smaller market team. Just go get out of his own way and just try and score goals. Do what he's best at. For a guy like him trying to change the scenery, definitely want to be a small market team. Maybe you don't want him going to Toronto or something like that. Like we all, we all were looking at our trade deadline or our uh, trades we thought might could might happen. But yeah, I mean, we've talked – Talk goes to death, man. I mean, ultimately, we'll see what they do. And it's a shame because, like, people confuse, like, you know, uh, at least on the other day on Facebook, I, I, I posted something and some guy gave me, you just don't want to see him do good, blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, oh, it's not, it's not the case years. at all. I know. Like, like, I'm a Flyers fan, like, first and foremost. I would love it if he, like you know, came out and scored 50 points and everybody could call me a jerk off for hating on Ghost. Sure, that's fine because I want the Flyers to win the Stanley Cup. You know what I mean? But I just don't see any path for him here. Like, for me, it's a classic, dude, this guy needs a change of scenery and he needs it quick. You know, like, a guy like him, I feel like, needs playing time. He's not going to get it here. He's not going to play well. He's going to start bringing down the, the mood in the room. Like, do him and everybody else a favor Ship him out, let him do what he wants somewhere else, and and let's you know get something for him while we still can. That's my only thing. You know, They're probably going to at this point. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see what they do. They gotta they gotta make a couple interesting decisions on their roster, and I like everybody too. So it's like, man, who are they going to get rid of? They'll uh, clear out Gossip Bear so Sam Rand can take his rightful place in the players. <laughs> 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 that happened. It could, uh, I guess. Good. I mean, all year, Jim was telling us the Flyers are going to the Cup, and he might have been right. <laughs> Even back when they were playing their West Coast trip. And it's like, all right, Jim, whatever you say, pal. And it was like, holy shit. I wonder if I jinxed them. Nah. It's Philadelphia. We can't have anything nice. <laughs> we started believing in the Flyers, and the whole fucking world caught on fire immediately. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Fuck, it's so it true. It was like the 90s again, and the world's on fire. <laughs> we have another guest who just came on the show we have doyle from the broad street bully podcast doyle what's up man not much how you doing doing pretty good dude so we just finished talking about some flyers twitter favorites for each guest that came on i had them talk a little bit about themselves how they became a flyers fan and how they got into podcasting so if you could just tell us uh, rattle off a couple sentences about yourself and then we'll continue the conversation um, well, I became a fan of the team probably back in like the the Lindros days when I was like six or seven years old, and then like I uh, started following them like way more in depth as I got older when they went to the uh, ECF against the Lightning in 04, 05, or yeah, the 04 season, and then uh, I got into podcasting because my co-host Drew started a podcast with um our other co-host jeff 
and uh, he knew I was a huge fan, so they did a few episodes, and then, I don't know, I think it was, like, ten episodes in, he was like, yo, man, do you want to, like, hop in on this and just, like, shoot the shit with us? And I was like, yeah, sure. And you guys are probably one of the more funnier Flyer shows around, that's for sure. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad somebody likes our shit and dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow we started talking a little bit about uh, poop on the Angry and Negative show. It's become a common Every topic week. of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not about the flyer, surprisingly. It's about actual poop. But I digress. <laughs> Let's move on a little bit here. So something that I wanted to bring up, because we talked about Eric Lindros a little bit, and I guess maybe a controversial or a topic of discussion question could be, Obviously, we all love John LeClaire growing up as well. Two 50-goal seasons, a bunch of 40-goal seasons, you know. Three. Three, sir. Three in a row. Three 50-goal <laughs> seasons, was it? Three in a row. Okay. Scored from all areas of the ice, even through the side of the net in some instances. John LeClaire, is he John LeClaire without Eric Lindros? I don't think he's as good. Yeah. But still good. Still a very good player. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this was the dead puck era, man, and he still put up fifty. Like, I don't, I don't think he puts up fifty without Lindros, but he's still good. He he's had a hell of a slap shot. Let's not forget that. Yeah, I'd say he's like very borderline. Like he almost could be in the Hall of Fame, but like he's just like right on the cusp, to me at least. Looks like he was about a twenty-five goal guy after Lindros left. So. He started um, having back problems, too. He was getting yeah. in front of the net with cross-checks to the lower back. So, I, like I said, I don't know if he ever hits 50 without Lindros in the Legion of Doom line, but um, I'm he's still probably one of their top goal scorers, on the Flyers at least. And like I said, he can really blast it, too. For his size, he was pretty athletic. He was pretty athletic for his size. And when I say size, I mean bulky, not tall. <laughs> you say bulgy? Bulky. <laughs> <laughs> like a moose? Jesus Christ. It's so good, but it's after eight, and then everything just falls apart. <laughs> so bulgy, like a moose. I don't know I if I... I feel like your guys' arguments for John LeClaire was not were, were not as strong as I thought they'd be. Or maybe you just the if? question... Or maybe the question was just so like, yeah, that's a dumb question. What was I going to yeah, say? He, he sucks? A dumb question. He, he owes his old career to Lindros? Yeah. Like, no, Lindros was like, I get it, because Lindros was like, he could be better than Gretzky. Like, they legitimately thought that at the time. Um, so, yeah, he's very good. But at the same time, somebody else is there. Somebody more, there a lot was put on Lindros, too. If he's, you take him out of the equation, somebody else has to step up. I think his goals drop off, but I think he improves the team in other ways. Maybe he has more assists or something like that. I, I don't see three consecutive 50 goal seasons because he barely hit him. It was 50, 51, and 50. But he's still a damn good player, and he's still doing whatever he can. If it wasn't Lindros, he'd be, he'd be there with Forsberg. It would be hey, just thanks. as impressive, right? It'd be even better. Yeah. Maybe that's 360 goal season. So how's that, Jim? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> this so this is a good little. Go ahead, Pablo Kelly. Burre and John LeClaire are now in the same sentence. How does that make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> Not, for Not for skating. Not for skating. So you think simply switching Eric Lindros and Peter Forsberg makes the Flyers a better team? No, it makes John LeClaire better. I don't know about the team. Okay. <laughs> I really, it's so weird. I don't know. Um, how long did it take Forsberg to like really come? Because he had sack. That team was pretty damn good. They were. Pretty, That's oh, yeah. the thing. They had Peter Wah. Forsberg had Joe Sackick and Patrick yeah. Waugh. If Eric Lindros had Joe Sackick and Patrick Waugh, Eric Lindros is winning cups too. If if Lindros just had Wah, I mean yeah. just Wah, I mean they, you know, it, it's a whole different story. Or uh, Lily had Hedberg other guys too that were they traded for Ray Bork for God's sake. They had a, uh, Adam Denmarsh was a decent player. Adam Foot, like they had all sorts of guys. His uh, first season in Colorado, ninety five ninety six, was thirty goals and one hundred and sixteen points. <laughs> after that, he was uh, 86, 91, 97, 51, 89, 106. and then after that, he. Uh, Got traded to Philly, and the injuries took his toll. But he peaked uh, very early on. But look what he did for Gagne. I mean, you put him next to Gagne. Gagne had his best year. And that was – Forsberg was how old at that point? Uh, he was starting to slow down. So it's tough. I mean, th you're talking about two of the best players to ever play the game. Yeah. Like two centers, really. So it's like I can't say one's better than the other or would have made Leclerc better than the other. Like everybody plays differently. 
So, would you have done the other? Because I think there was another offer that the Flyers offered to get Lindros that didn't include Forsberg, but I think they were giving away like it, you, they swapped and Brindamore. Yeah, no, it was um, they, it was I think it was the same deal. It just instead of Forsberg, it was Brindamore and Forsberg and Lindros on the same team. That makes shit. a difference. Holy shit. <laughs> That would have been wild. I mean, you could have had McDonald on the left wing. He'd have scored 50 goals with that team. <laughs> He'd just shoot everything off his, his floating body. <laughs> Do you think the Fly- So let me just ask this because I'm not sure if I heard it or not. Do you think the Flyers would have won a Stanley Cup or two with Peter Forsberg instead of Eric Lindros? No. If everything were the same, but it was yeah. just Peter Forsberg, probably not. They literally so. never had a goaltender. Yeah, yeah. that was that never. Was the it would be the same outcome, just with with Forsberg. I honestly think their closest chance would have been where they lost to the Devils when they had that three-one lead yeah. and Lindros got hit by Stevens. If that was Forsberg instead, because he probably would have stayed in the game and played most of the season, uh, that would have been their best chance, I think. And yeah. goaltending was still the thorn in the side, man. As great as a save Boucher made against Eliash, it, it was still their Achilles heel. I still get mad when I think about that series. I, I hated Patrick to fight with a Devils fan, and he's just sending us gifs of the damn thing. I hated Patrick Eliash, man, and like I feel like he wasn't really that much of a hateable dude for some reason. But I just he was on the him. Devils. He's not. He just he played for the Devils, <laughs> and he killed the Flyers. That's it. Yeah. That's it. He did kill the Flyers. The, and the Devils destroyed hockey for like that entire yes, ten-year period. Did. We almost so, lost hockey because of that stupid team. Yeah, every one of them could get fucked. They tried turning it into soccer, and then shh, that didn't fly. <laughs> Pun intended, or no? One goal games <laughs> that don't fly. Come <laughs> on, we scored a goal. All right, everybody, just shut it down. Shut it down. Do you shut guys it. remember Bobby Holik? Oh yeah, yeah. That team, man. Famed Atlanta Thrasher, Bobby Holy. Jason Arnott was on that team. Remember that guy? Uh, Yeah, he was kind of good, though. I fucking hated Bobby Holy, though. Like, his face just bothered me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he was an okay player, but he just always had that, like, like that look. I'm just like, I I hate this motherfucker. And he always did so good against the Flyers. There's always, like, one person in sports who, like, you just see their face, and they, it's not even, like, a star. It's just, like, a person you just knew, and you just hate them irrationally. Yeah, okay. yeah he's got a weird-looking face. You're certainly right. And, like, a unibrow, too. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. It was the unibrow that really yeah, got he was not, unibrow. He was not a good-looking man. Huh. So that that's a good, uh, a good thing right there. Who's one guy that comes to mind that just has that, like, man, I, you're good, but I just hate your face? Yeah, I'm, not even, I'm not even. Brad Marchand. <laughs> he does. Have oh, that. Castoritis. Fuck that guy. God, yeah. Oh he yeah, Castoritis. Looked like a fucking rat, and he just what he did, and he's a penguin. What else do we got? We only got two. I mean, as far as hate the face, I couldn't stand Barnaby, but he he wouldn't have a bad face or anything. He was just a normal looking guy. Yeah, that's all. They, they don't have to be like a bad looking dude. Just so it's not just to hate that face. guy's face. Yeah. I always thought Sean Avery had a real punchable face. Oh, jeez. <laughs> His antics. Oh, my God. His personality. Like a, smug, a smug shithead. And then, like, face. when he wasn't playing hockey, he was, like, at women purses fashion shows or something weird. Like, yeah. he was just a weird dude. It was all an act. He said he admitted it. His whole play was all an act. He's like, I'm not like that at all. I'm actually, like, mild-mannered or whatever. He would say stupid shit in the media that gets him, like, in trouble. I kind of thought the fashion show thing was cool. I mean, whatever. <laughs> it's not exactly what I picture. Hey, it's 2020. I get it. But when I think like a tough guy hockey player, it's like the last thing. I, I just didn't see that coming. Yeah, I was going to say, if you think about it now, like I could see Austin Matthews at a fucking New York Fashion Week show with his stupid outfits and his dumb face. And his yes. little mustache. Yeah. <laughs> see, that? that's, that's a he- bad mustache. Yeah, it is. It's silly. His like a, whole aesthetic is extremely confusing to me, and it's how I know I'm an old person. I look at him, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't understand any of what's happening with your entire body. <laughs> so I, I just sir, know that I'm too old. I have to ask, are these guys so, like, you know, popular because he's in Toronto and he's just held in such high esteem? Does nobody have the guts to tell him, like, you look fucking ridiculous. Like, you have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. 
<laughs> some guys like that. Like I feel like the more somebody tells me I look weird or like a douche, the more I'm like, all right, cool, I got oh, the look. No. So is Austin <laughs> Matthews are the NHL's best version of Dennis Rodman then? <laughs> oh my god. Not quite. Although like like Nylander dresses that way too. Maybe it's just the Leafs. Maybe the Leafs Maybe. are just weird. Do you remember the New York Rangers kind of used to do that whole thing? Like they were like like they all dressed really nice and everything, and they were all like they looked like Gucci models, blah blah blah. Am I the only one that remember this? That remembers well, this? Henrik Lundqvist is a beautiful man, so he's very good looking. He's definitely pulling off the the GQ There's look. Nothing for me. What? Nothing. <laughs> nothing for me. Are you kidding me? Wow. He's so boring. He's like vanilla pudding. What? He's yeah. a delicious vanilla pudding. I mean, I'm sure he is a delicious vanilla pudding, but there's so many other flavors of pudding. Spicier and more exciting flavors. I'm sure he is delicious, but I don't like the book. She's judging the book by its covers. I'm not going to eat it. Also, I forget. I think I might have said this to you, Jim. Anybody who decides that they're just going to stay in New York because they like living in Manhattan and being rich rather than going and chasing a a cup can, like, fuck off, douchebag. Anybody that yeah, anybody that plays and lives in New York can can fuck off. But but like I you just, could go win a cup somewhere, and you were like, nah, I really like living here. Who delivered to me at any time of day? <laughs> Part of me is kind of like yeah, that the loyalty is kind of cool. Like imagine if he played for the Flyers. No. Uh, well, I think we if we were not a playoff team, we probably would want to you know get something for him. <laughs> Oh, yeah. If he so played the way he did this year and he was a flyer, it would have burned him at the stake by now. Yeah. <laughs> but also... Like, it was so paying Lundquist $10 million a year. Yeah, yeah. The last. You know, like, like, I don't know about yeah. you guys, but I was, like, happy for Tiemannan. Like, we weren't going to win oh, that yeah. year, and well, I was he glad that treated he him out. when he didn't play a game that season, so it was a double oh, yeah. win. It was great. Two second-round picks, and he won a cup. Like, that was the best-case scenario. Yeah, I think uh, Henrik's a good-looking man. Like, if if he approached me and was uh, and like tried to make out with me, I don't know if I could resist. Well, it takes all kinds. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> to each his own. To each his own. Like, I would like double take, and if he was just like, "No, this is happening," I'd be like, "All right." I guess it is. <laughs> just let it happen. <laughs> I can uh, see Jim doing it, and his eyes are still open. Like, is this really happening right now? Yeah. Just uncomfortable, but also enjoying it. Like, I yeah, could brag sure. about it? Yeah. Hey, guys, I made out with Henrik uh, Lundqvist. Like, it'd be cool, but... You that, like, a badge of honor, my God. <laughs> yeah. I love how somebody that. just joined, and that's the first... I just yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you made out with the Henrik Lundqvist? Not yet. <laughs> yep, Not yet. Oh, okay. Oh. All right, so on, you, so on your hit list. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Play, what ifs? It somehow it? evolved from what if the Flyers had Forsberg during the Legion of Doom era to what if Jim made out with Flunquist? <laughs> All right. Before you introduce Buddy over there, I'm going to hop off. It was good talking to you guys. All right, Kelly. Thanks for hanging out. Always a pleasure, Kelly. See you later. Yeah.